Hey guys, what's up? This is week 320. I have a handful of reviews for you and a couple uh, films for the update, so let's hop into this. The first one up is from Radiance Films, and this is The Iron Prefect, and this is by the same director as The Climber, the uh, you know a Euro crime film with Joe D'Alessandro. This has Juliana Gemma in it, who should be no stranger to any fan of Italian cinema. He's in stuff like Day of Anger, where he plays kind of like a youngster. He, I believe he's in the Ringo, Spaghetti Western films. Um, and, and Day of Anger, he... he plays opposite of Lee Van Cleef and he does a really good job. It's a really good film. In fact, you might recognize the score on that one if you've watched his channel quite a bit. Uh, he's also in Tenebrae, for you horror fans out there, where he plays kind of a uh, idiotic kind of police officer who's really great in the film and uh, kind of basically solves the crime without knowing it at, at, at certain points. Um, but yeah, um, so The Iron Prefect. I had actually not really heard of this film. I believe it's also called I Am The Law. It's from 77. Um, around the same year as The Climber, if I'm not mistaken. So this is a strange one. Uh, this feels definitely like these kind of like your kind not I wouldn't say vigilanteism, but cops who kind of go way above and beyond what they're supposed to do, breaking the laws at times, just to be aggressively against crime. Um, and it's not a straight up uh, you know vigilante film or a crooked cop film or anything like that, you know, in the vein of uh, you know Maurizio Merli movie or something like that. It's more kind of just how your hands are tied and. Really, no matter what you do, you're kind of screwed. Which reminds me of the Convoy uh, Busters, which just came out a little bit ago from Cauldron Films. So, uh, essentially, Juliana Gemma is a prefect, and he moves in, and he wants to crack down on the mafia. He's just disgusted with what he sees, how they handle themselves, how aggressive they are and everything. So, at first, he's coming in, kind of throwing his weight around. And you really don't know where he, where he sits, and he's talking about being a lot of corruption and everything like that. And it gets really interesting. And it's funny, he has like a wife in the film, but they don't really focus the, the female like kind of lead role in this. is more focused on a small townsperson. And the small townspeople suffer the most. They suffer from the police officers. They suffer from the prefect. They suffer from the mafia. Everywhere they look, they suffer. And at one point, you kind of understand that because if you speak out, you're punished by the mob or killed outright. There's a really brutal scene of a family being killed because they, uh, they spoke against the mafia. But uh, right when uh, Gemma is on screen, he's, he's pretty electric. He's really solid in this film. He doesn't look like himself. They, they gave him like a, a weird haircut that he doesn't typically sport. Um, and, you know, I'm so used to seeing him as kind of like the handsome lead, you know, the um, either kind of kind of dumb, dumb-witted character or naive character, but still yet a little, you know, you know, Full of like charisma and athleticism, and this one he has that stern look. He is it's a strange role for him, um, but this is a really good film. It's a gorgeous looking film too. Um, the cinematography is top notch. The setting is is wonderful because you see the small towns in Italy and everything. Um, and there's a great stand uh, uh, kind of like a standoff scene in in the early beginnings of the film. But as he kind of climbs the the ladder, you kind of see him go from almost heroic type to disliked from everybody to villain not even villain but just um almost in the point where you get sucked into the system so much that you become a part of what you were against in the first place um really interesting film i i can't see anybody disliking this one and interesting too it's more like a political thriller in that aspect but it does have like the tinges of euro crime as well as as far as the special features are concerned um we have interviews with director uh, pasquale uh and star juliana Gemma. new interview with um biographer dominica minetti and alex cox appreciation on Gemma and the film that's great because 
Alex Cox, of course, is a director, did a lot of cult films like Sid and Nancy, Repo Men, Straight, uh, Straight, what is that one? Straight, uh, Straight to Hell. I was going to mix it up with the Hammer film, Straight Till Darkness. Um, yeah, but Straight to Hell. And he's a Western, a spaghetti Western enthusiast. Uh, it'd be hard pressed to find somebody that knows more about spaghetti Westerns than him. And he talks about Gemma. He talks about his career. He talks about a lot of, you know, the other leading men in Italy and, and whatnot. And he, he, brings up the, the, I love his ending to his story because it's perfect, you know, he, he kind of brings up the uh, print the legend, not the story about Gemma, and uh, that just kind of fits his whole demeanor, right, being a big fan of the the western film, and they always say print the legend not the story, but uh, he gives a nice little insight on Gemma and this film in general, and uh, he throws out a lot of other things about personally meeting Gemma but uh, yeah, great film uh, a gem, a true gem and uh, I never had heard of it, you know. There's so many films out there, like I said, that uh, they, they either pass you by, you're not too sure what they are, or um, it takes companies like Radiance, uh, Radiance Films, or any of these other ones coming out and putting these kind of rare gems out. So this is a good one, The Iron Prefect. Okay, the next one here we have from Cult Epics, and this is from the Netherlands. And this is A Question of Silence, 1982. Uh, very interesting film. A lot of these kind of films from this, this area, they have a unique look, like I said. Cult Epics really specializes in putting a lot of these out, especially some of the more interesting ones, and they really don't let you down. So, A Question of Silence. Boy, this is a great one. And uh, what was the movie that Radiance Films put out a little bit a bit ago about the serial killing woman? Um, I can't remember the title. A Woman of Something. That one would go a perfect double feature with this one. That one's from 68. This one's from 82. But uh, kind of fitting in that line, this is a, a bizarre film. And it opens up kind of with these three different women and, and the cops picking them up. But the first, the, the one woman is picked up in her like bakery, her butcher shop where she works and she's jovially joking with men she's like oh I, I took somebody out i killed them yeah laughing and um you kind of get her personality right there and these cops come in and arrest her and uh you find out that they bring in kind of a psychiatrist like a female psychiatrist to figure out why these three women committed a, a, a atrocious act and as she starts to talk to them she realizes that none of them knew each other it was unprovoked attack but was it unprovoked you know, was it unprovoked in the terms of that person, actual person, or was it, you know, more of a, 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 a outlash on society, on the patriarchy, that kind of thing like that. And uh, it goes to this courtroom kind of drama, and you get flashes of their past, and you have interviews with the people that were in their lives. And uh, this is going to be a really weird thing to compare this to, but I would compare it to Hisiasa Sato's Splatter Naked Blood, not in the terms of gore or violence, but the aspect that you have these three different women from three different walks of life that all kind of take part in this experiment, um, they are taking part in a, in a, a crime. And you kind of see how they deal with the crime, some in silence, uh, some, you know, other ways, and some in food and comedy. And they, they put up facades or, or they just have these certain character traits about them and, and what they do. And there are three different women from free, three different walks of life that decide to carry out this crime. And what the courtroom says and there's also the whole farcical courtroom drama stuff going on which is great and I don't mean farcical like comedy but it just makes the whole the whole uh, trial a farce in, in the eyes of a lot of people but this is way ahead of its time in, in terms of I guess like you know saying like a feminist statement or you know basically not even that just how how society is for a certain group of 50% of the population but anyways it's just interesting to watch and see another country kind of tackle it it's just bizarre and, and different and really good and the structure is great um they leave you with a lot of questions and there's a big thing that comes up with the uh the psychiatrist and her husband and she starts to question other things and witnesses as well this is a great film 
much better than I, I would uh, have thought. I, I really didn't know what to think. The title caught my eye and everything, and I was like, sounds pretty interesting. And uh, I, I, Cult Epics is a really interesting company. Sometimes they put stuff that's way too intelligent or way too, you know, geographically located in a certain aspect, like a lot of their culture and stuff that goes way over my head. This this one, I didn't. I thought I, I grasped as much as I could, and it was really good stuff. So as far as the special features are concerned, we have audio commentary by film scholar Patricia Pisters, uh, interview with director Marlene Goris, 82, interview with actress Cox Hablin, uh, Polygon, uh, Polygon Journal Newsreel, and promotional gallery and whatnot. And I believe this is the director's first film. So coming out with a bang and a question of silence. Okay, next one up, we have one from, what, 1992, if I'm not mistaken, a full moon here. This is Netherworld, and this is directed by David Schmuller, who did, of course, Puppet Master and Taurus Trap, two really kind of, you know, Charlie Band-produced staples, and, you know, he's a good director. He also did, what, Crawl Space with Klaus Kinski, and he's the director that famously said, please kill Mr. Kinski. Um, so here we go here. This is Netherworld, and this is a, a, like a 90s, early 90s, one full moon video store staple. I always remember the cover art, but you know what? This is one that some how passed me by after all these years so I, I put this in and we had like this kind of you know louisiana style uh, i wouldn't say voodoo story but in that kind of vein you know there's so many different aspects and sex in that religious kind of stuff that i don't know you know sangria voodoo hoodoo i don't know all the details and everything and it kind of is in that kind of vein in that kind of world um the biggest actor in here for me was robert sampson you know robert sampson's in Stuart gordon films reanimator and robot jocks and he pops up in dark side of the moon really good actor he's a solid good character actor so essentially we have kind of a classic tale here where a young guy is basically told that you're going to inherit your uh, father's estate. It's this giant mansion and all sorts of weird kind of shady characters are surrounding him, um, including this lady that runs the local prostitution den. Um, and, and she's kind of interesting. And in the very beginning, you can tell that she obviously dabbles in some supernatural elements involving birds and giant uh, kind of weird hands that look like that come off walls and have little mouths on them. Kind of something out of like the stop motion or, or Hellraiser world, something along those lines. David, Very David Schmuller, I guess you'd say. Um, so he has these characters that are all around him, including a couple oddball ones, the lawyer and some other people as well. And he soon learns, starts to read his father's journal and they're talking about reincarnation and everything like that. And, and you kind of get that aspect. Now, this isn't the first film to do that. Of course, later we'd have stuff like the skeleton key or get out on um, this idea of people, the super rich kind of putting their bodies into other people. And that's what we have kind of going here. Think brotherhood of Satan from 71. And I'm sure if you go back further and further, the Spirit remake. Probably spoiling all these movies here. But there's just that aspect, right? That the, the rich or the powerful want to live forever. They want to transport their body into something younger. We have an episode of Tales from the Crypt like that directed by Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Where the old man sells his fortune to be younger. So it's just an aspect, but this is a little different because, like I said, it incorporates a lot of birds and people actually kind of turning into birds and there's some fun special effects. Um, a lot of these full moon movies from the early 90s, um, they really feel like good episodes of Tales from the Crypt, like an hour, an hour and 15 minute long Tales the Crip episodes, and I have no problem with that. The lead was okay. He's not an actor that I I think he's a TV actor, possibly. Just not one I was very familiar with. Um, there's a decent amount of nudity, of course. There's sex. You, you can't go wrong with that in a full moon video store classic in Netherworld. So this one's solid. I enjoyed it. I would watch it again. Very easy watch. Um, a lot of these, you know, it's just kind of comfort food. These uh, Anything full moon up until a certain point is comfort food for
for me. I just enjoy watching them. I like them. I grew up with them. Video store staples. Um, and I feel the same way about Tales from the Crypt. And this director, you know, I need to pop in Crawl Space. I don't know if I've ever watched Crawl Space, but Taurus Trap is a is is really great. And Puppet Master obviously had you know spawned so many sequels and so many franchises and all that kind of stuff going on. But Netherworld. It looks really good too, and the surround sound was great. It's uh, I think a 5.1 mix on here. I really do dig that because uh, maybe it's not a 5.1 mix. So a lot of times they do do that. They do have a 5.1 because I will say this. And out of all the Blu-rays and stuff I get, Full Moon usually has the newer ones they're putting out has a good surround mix. Like they do a solid job on that stuff. And a lot of them don't only have you know they have the original audio, which is what people want. But got to give it up to Full Moon for their sound mixes on uh, their newer releases. I think they're pretty solid. Um, they of course have the original video zone which is great you know like some interviews with people on the set and whatnot and how the story came to be the director is actually in the movie as a bartender but uh it, it, the, the, the uh, you know the the prostitution den definitely remind me of something right out of the 90s tales of the crypt stuff or devil of blood the movie all that kind of stuff there just very very 90s very fun look a little cool monster on there too i'd recommend netherworld it's easy easy watch easy you'll enjoy yourself Okay, I'm going to be very brief with this one because I feel like an absolute jackass here. We have Scream Team releasing. We have Beneath the Old Dark House, and this is an anthology, and I like the cover, and uh, the director, you know, uh, I know that there's nothing but, like, heart and soul into the movie. It doesn't come across as, like, kind of like a half-ass kind of cash-in or anything like that. And being a low-budget anthology, I got to take my hats off for the fact that it looks really solid. Cinematography is good. You know, the score is pretty excellent. Um, the stories are okay. That, that's kind of the weak point for me and that's nothing you know a lot of people dig these kind of more story types they're very kind of basic stories and that's very typical in an anthology but uh the cinematography is good the music is good and the light all that stuff is pretty solid for a low budget film um and they, the the one thing is and i also give it out is that all the same filmmakers made the shorts which is great in a low budget anthology because so many times you pop in a low budget anthology and it's like four different guys and they took four different shorts they have nothing to do with each other from they never knew they were making an anthology and it's just a sloppy mess and sometimes you'll see the same short in four or five movies and you're like come on guys stop it we get it you want to sell this short but uh as far as this one is concerned we have basically kind of three stories at first we have this what coffin a coffin tooth and i wanted to keep calling him coffin baby because isn't that the character in toolbox murders remake and the sequel so coffin tooth is a strange character and he has kidnapped this girl and in the very beginning it's kind of like uh you assume she's like a prostitute and uh, right away, there's lots of butt shots in here. Lots of girls' butts shot and, and underwear and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of a decent amount of nudity in this film, especially on a low-budget movie. But that tends to happen in some low-budget films. So basically what happens is she's kidnapped and she's forced to watch these kind of tapes that this coffin tooth has. And he's very kind of a strange, kind of weird dancing creature. Kind of gross-looking. Scarecrow-esque, according to the director in the commentary. But uh, so, so they go on. We kind of see three stories. And a couple of them, uh, it's one, one's about a stalker. One seems to be more like a haunted kind of doll story. Um, and, and that's that's kind of it. Like, you know, the stories don't stand out too much. There's the haunted doll that's kind of like an Annabelle-style story kind of deal. And then, of course, there's the kind of stalker that's following this girl around and having these delusions of grandeur with her and all this kind of stuff. Um, none, of the, none of them really stand out to be anything exceptionally, like, interesting as far as originality is concerned um, and, and that's kind of the weak point like the only weak point is really the script for me and it's not terrible like I said it's just very basic um, in terms of the storylines and stories like that
But hey, it's an anthology. That's a great way to kind of just kind of try a bunch of different things. To be brutally honest, that's a good way to do it. Um, and like I said, there's nothing like you no. Know, it's not. It's not a lazy movie. You don't pop it in and think like, oh, this is a cash in or something, or this is like Amityville Ouija board Bigfoot ape monster. You know, where they're like, I'm gonna cram as many tropes and and kind of fads in here as possible so that it gets in Redbox and everybody runs it. That's definitely not this. So I got, I got a I, I know a couple names in here. Kayla Williamson. She's a uh, Williams. She's a good actor seen her pop up in a bunch of stuff but yeah I mean like it's not uh, Brink Stevens of course too in the last one it's not a movie that I would say is uh, on, on you know doesn't have heart but um, it also is nothing that does anything too special for me in terms of the stories. Uh, like a lot of low-budget movies, they can get really good cameras at times, and they can have good uh, technical stuff, but sometimes the scripts just lack for me, and that's just maybe I've seen 8 million trillion movies, and I'm holding it against it. But regardless, I would definitely check out uh, Matt Cloud's other films um, when he makes them, and I know he's made a couple more, so I'll definitely check out a newer one of his if he does make another one. So that's Beneath the uh, Old Dark House. I want to make sure I say the right thing. And listening to the commentary, he's clearly a horror fan. He makes references to a lot of horror films so i know that he is one of us so it's hard that's why i hate reviewing or talking about independent movies a lot of times because if i don't have positive feelings i just i try to i try to be as honest as possible without coming across as a complete another douchebag i mean i understand i've been in independent movies i made independent movies and you know um, a lot of them are worse than this so Okay, the next one up is from Mondo Macabro, and we've been waiting a long time for this one. This is Dr. Caligari, yes, it is on 4K and Blu-ray, that's right, both. Um, so if you missed out on the 4K, can't get it anywhere, the Blu-ray is going to be widely available soon. So Dr. Caligari is uh, made by the same people that made Cafe Flesh. They come from kind of a porn background. And the thing about Cafe Flesh, um, uh, Dr. Caligari was it was supposed to be kind of like a weird sequel to Night Dreams, which I believe is a, a porn film. And uh, this is a bizarre movie. Um, it had a cult following. It was made in 1989. It was released on VHS and Laserdisc, and not really released very, very much after that. There was kind of a gray market DVD that used to float around, which I, I probably have somewhere. Um, and I never watched the entire film in, in its complete, you know, length. I've seen bits and pieces. I've put it in here a couple times, and I know Marcus Cook is a huge fan of the film. But uh, obviously inspired by the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, the silent classic horror film. Um, but it's such a weird, twisted, bended kind of movie. Like I said, it definitely has that kind of weird, surreal quality about it. Dreamlike kind of quality. Scientific experiments gone wrong. Um, but it's also a brightly colorful movie. If I had to say it has one thing in common with Dr. Besides that stuff mentioned, uh, cabinet of Dr. Caligari, it's that the sets. The sets are immaculate in this movie. They're so well thought out and weird and just bonkers and off the wall. I feel like it does share some DNA with stuff like Rocky Horror Picture Show, Shock Treatment, uh, Forbidden Zone, all those kind of out-of-this-world kind of movies, which are all movies that Marcus mentioned in his uh, Secret Top Ten, you know. So, yeah, this is totally up his alley. So what we have here is Dr. Caligari, and she's performing all these weird kind of uh, experiments and mental games on this patient, and this patient is a nymphomaniac. Her husband uh, clearly does not like it, wants it to stop, but uh, soon enough, Dr. Caligari kind of runs amok because she's the household name in this hospital. Everybody knows her. That's where their you know their bread comes from. They're their moneymaker. And uh, the doctor, played by, geez, what is his name? Something Fox, uh, something Fox, who died before the movie was released, actually, and he's in a slew of movies. You'd recognize him. He's a really good actor, character actor he basically doesn't want to do anything about it because he knows that he'll lose the clout in the hospital but his kids are on to dr caligari and they want this insanity to end but it's going to get really freaking weird
weird before that. Um, there's a explicit nudity. There's weird sexual stuff going on. And I have to mention the cannibal character um, who plays a serial killer who's in the hospital as well. And uh, he's actually played by the zombie in Return of the Living Dead as a send more paramedics. Because he's got such an iconic look. And the way he delivers his lines when he's about to get electroshock therapy is one of the most bizarre, strange performances. Unhinged. Completely unhinged. The movie is just all around completely unhinged but also really excellent and weird and just a perfect midnight movie um you know it has all the elements of that stuff without over trying or just feeling like it's trying too hard it just is what it is and it does have kind of that like porn stink to it but it adds a, to a great element on there as far as the special features are concerned um the blu-ray and dvd both have the same i'm at the 4k and blu-ray both have the same um if i can get it out of the slip cover here um, there is a commentary with the director, Stephen, um, I can't think of his name right here. I'll just read him off the, the Blu-ray. The slipcover's a little tight. Um, with the director, Stephen uh, Sidanian. And then we have an interview with the director as well. Interview with Madeline Raynal. Interview with Laura Albert. Interview with co-writer Jerry Stahl. And they all have fond memories of the director and making the movie. And they mention like, a lot of the special effects, the pus, the weird tongue coming out of the wall. I mean, this is like surreal sex nightmare insanity absurdity comedy it's great stuff i can't recommend this movie uh any more than I, I, it was a gem you know i really loved it the work of true visionaries kevin thomas la times that's a big name to do that so anyways really check this one out dr caligari great stuff Okay, the next one up is from Vinegar Syndrome, another 4K from 1987, and this is Night Screams. There we go, Night Screams. Um, and this is, had an old Omega Image DVD um, from the Nico Macaracas production uh, company, I believe. And this is a slasher, a later-day slasher film here. And you know what? I actually had never seen this one in its entirety. What we have here is right in the beginning, we have a couple watching Graduation Day. You see a couple inserts. Um, and then they are murdered uh, while trying to prepare dinner. We fast forward a little bit. Now we kind of introduce, introduce to our main characters. We learn that there is a mental patient that has escaped um, almost pretty quick. Uh, there's a crazy violent shootout uh, with these criminals killing some people at a diner and a couple cops. The squibs are real nasty. And then we kind of meet our main characters and it's kind of a football team and their girlfriends and everybody in the surrounding area, like five or six kids and their girlfriends and whatnot. And they're deciding to have this big house party. And the main character is struggling with a lot. He has, he has medication that he takes and his dad is shoving him into this football scholarship he really doesn't want. So the stress is insane. His girlfriend is a little unnerved as well, doesn't like the friends. And then we have a lot of catty, rude friends involved that are all sexed up, using this guy for his wine and his, uh, his, asana, his sauna, all this kind of stuff like that. Of course, the criminals show up, and they start picking people off, but there's something else going on behind the scenes, right? How, how much can all this... There's got to be something else with all these characters' problems and all that, right? So basically, Night Screams here. It is a really kind of fun uh, slasher film. The body count is 19, count them, 19 kills or something like that, like 50, 15 to 17 kills. It's ridiculous. I, I want to say it was 19, but I'm not 100% sure. I just know that tons of people got shot or stabbed. Um, some of the death scenes are pretty solid. I mean, of course, you got the infamous cheeseburger or the, the burger on the stove death. Yeah. Somebody gets killed on the stove. Uh, you got the carjack stuff. Anyways, this is a pretty solid film. The 4K looks great. It sounds great. Um, it's just always impressive what Vinegar Syndrome can do with these movies, these cheap, low-budget movies, and make the 4Ks look amazing. It's awesome. But uh, so we have here is... We have the 4K disc, contains the 85-minute theatrical cut of Night Screams, presented in HDR, newly rest uh, restored from this 35 original camera negatives with the following sound option, uh, stereo soundtrack and brand new audio commentary track with Alan Plone and cinematographer Eric 
uh, Anderson, moderated by special features producer Ewan Cat. And then we also, and we have two Blu-ray discs. Um, the Blu-ray contains everything on the 4K, but it also has Blood and Chopsticks, which is an hour and 20 minute making of, which was nice to see them talk about making this movie in Wichita, Kansas, getting some actors from LA or California, and then filling in the rest of Wichita, having some, you know, kind of shout outs to people that passed away, all that kind of stuff. And then we have a brand new making of documentary featuring interview. Oh, that's basically that. And then we have, of course, the, the second Blu-ray disc contains the reconstruction of the 80 minute pre-release cut of Night Screams, along with an introduction by executive producer Richard Caliendo and producer co-director Dillis L. Hart II. So we have the uh, version without the graduation day inserts as well. So completist, uh, don't worry. You get all the night screams you can handle. All right, guys, we're going to hop into those 1981 movies. Woe be unto him who opens one of the seven gateways to hell, because through that gateway, evil will invade the world. Comes round 
There's a silence and fear in the air Remember the morn that the legend was born All the shock and the horror was there Or the legend they say on a Valentine's Day Is a curse that'll live on and on And no one will know as the years come and go Of the horror from long time ago And no one will know as the years come and go Of the horror from long time ago First one up is uh, directed by legendary Meister Bruno Mattei. The year before he did Hell of the Living Dead, now he moves right on to The Other Hell. And this actually stars Franca Stoppi in it, for, uh, fresh off Beyond the Darkness from 79, the Joe D'Amato movie. She's excellent in that. She's excellent and creepy in this one. This is an unsploitation movie. Also has a couple other familiar faces in here. I know I'm forgetting the guy from uh, freaking... Um, Hell of the Living Dead, uh, Zardana, whatever his name is, is in here as well as kind of a groundskeeper at the monastery, and he's ridiculous in this film. So basically what we have here is right in the beginning of the film, we have this nun just spouting all this stuff while performing an autopsy, and the stuff she says immediately got this movie. Like I think on the video nasty was it had to. And she's just saying all this horrible stuff about cutting the things outside and inside, and you're just like, what is going on? Oh my God, lady. And it's just a really great scene, and we kind of learn that there's a devil in the details, glowing eyes in the cellar, possessing. And we have kind of a horrible murder, kind of a couple murders in the very beginning. Franca Stoppi really kind of downplaying everything. She's the head nun. But we have this priest come in. He's trying to change things. And we have kind of more of a, a priest in the element of, uh, geez, what is the actor's name who comes in here? He's one of these kind of actors. I'll know his name right when I see him. Oh, Carlo Del Mejo. He comes in as like this young priest. And we have the classic, you know, he's like, it's scientific or it's psychological. There's no possession. And we have that whole religious superstition versus scientific kind of psychological aspect, which is so prevalent in a lot of these Italian and Spanish non-exploitation films, even French. So we have that going on. Carlo Del Mayo was obviously in uh, the year before he was in... Oh, geez, help me out here. Isn't he in, um, yeah, he's in Terror Express, and he's in City of the Living Dead. You guys would recognize him right away. He's in a slew of films, um, and he plays that main priest. But a lot of it is kind of a mystery, figuring what happens, and, and is there actually a superstitious detail about it? We, we as the audience, would believe so, unless somebody's downstairs with glowing eyes. But, yeah, there's a lot of sleazy stuff going on. Franca Stoppi is good. Um, and, yeah, it, it's solid. Uh, it never really reaches the heights of the opening here, and I guarantee this music is the same music from Beyond the Darkness because the score is amazing. Um, it looks pretty good and sounds pretty good. I mean, it's a low-budget, cheap, dirty-ass movie, so it's kind of hard to rate how it looks, you know what I mean? But it's a Severn film. Um, obviously, Claudio Fragazzo possibly co-directed this or directed it, wrote the script for it with his like partner, Rachel uh, Drudy. But, uh, of course, this movie was shot uh, on the set while they were shooting another movie uh, at the same time, nights and days, so they're both co-directing both of these movies. But this is a fun film with decent gore effects and you know a nice crypt and I love my non-exploitation movies and this one is good stuff and it's uh you know what people always think Bruno Mattei is absolute garbage but he made some pretty entertaining stuff especially in the 80s you know next up we have another 1981 movie and this is by Norman J. Warren a British director and this is in Seminoid aka Horror Planet starring
starring uh, Judy Geeson. Judy Geeson was in a Hammer film. She's in some other films. You'd recognize her right away. And that's pretty much kind of the main actor I would recognize from this film. But what happens is we have a, a group of astronauts, or I don't even know what they're astronauts, miners, scientists, whatever the alien crew you'd call or aliens crew. And there are uh, 12 of them, and they're on this kind of this rock. Uh, or this planet, and they're kind of mining stuff like that. And what happens is they come across this weird crystal, and there's an explosion. One guy goes catatonic. He's kind of out of it. And the other guy, he gets cut by these crystals, and he starts to lose his grip on his sanity. He starts to get violent and lash out. Um, they kind of go back out to figure out what's going on, and eventually Judy Geeson is raped by this gross kind of alien and she's pregnant but uh, she's also goes mad because the crystals people start getting picked off some by the monster some by judy geeson some got killed because they went nuts all this kind of stuff and it's a big alien ripoff but it's decent it's gory there's a couple really gory scenes to be honest that are above and beyond you know there's somebody that gets their leg trapped and they they have to kind of try to cut their leg off to save their lives because they can't get free from something that's a effective scene it ends on a pretty kind of crazy downbeat ending of course is it a downbeat exactly but it leaves it open it does leave it open if i'm not mistaken 100 percent. but the movie's pretty wild uh you know this is the first one i watched for the week so i can't remember i feel like the ending was more downbeat than you, you would register but there's a high body count like i said there's 12 characters and not many of them make it but uh yeah and the gore is decent uh, the uh, the sets are decent this one's pretty solid i need to watch some more norman j warren movies i feel like him pete walker and pete walker i neglected the most in my horror film knowledge and when you're talking like kind of that time frame because that's usually my time frame and i watch tons of directors work from there norma j warren i think i've only seen one same with pete walker and i know it's shame shame but uh, i will get on it eventually right but in seminoid pretty decent film as far as the special features are concerned we have a very english exploit uh exploitation in seminoid and, and shock cinema of norman j warren a 90 minute documentary basically talking about his career i watched some of that that's really good. Featuring contributions from Warren, actress Jennifer Ashley, visual effects artist Jez Harris, screenwriter and critic David McGilvery, uh, author Kim Newman, and filmmaker Pete Walker. That's very cool. Speak of the devil. Archival uh, new audio interview with Norma J. Warren, alien encounter interview with Norma J. Warren, Q&A producer Richard Gordon and Norma J. Warren. And then we have uh, another Q&A with Norma J. Warren, a Q&A with, uh, like, he has several Q&As here. So if you haven't seen Inseminoid, I would recommend it. Uh, pretty fun alien kind of style film. Okay, the next up is the Patreon pick. And I can't remember who picked this. I think it's Nick Mua. And he picked William Castle's Homicidal. Okay, so anyways, I had never seen Homicidal, but I had heard about it. I knew it was kind of Hitchcock, William Castle's take on Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Um, what year was uh, this one made? Jeez, uh, I can't remember. Definitely 61. So a year after Psycho. So they struck when the iron was hot. This is a Mill Creek release. Good good picture quality obviously you could probably import a powerhouse you know um the company i can't think of um they do a really good job and i know they had like these old kind of william castle sets which i missed out on but um so what we have here is homicidal and uh yeah so like i knew i knew the twist but it still took me about two minutes to remember it and i was like oh that's what's going on here so we have here in the very beginning we have this really great scene where this beautiful woman kind of enters this hotel and she's talking to this guy and the bellhop she says will you get married to me and she offers him a bunch of money to go get married and right in the very beginning she murders the basically the judge the cleric judge or the marriage judge that you know is marrying them late late at night and you're just like what is going on here and she kind of runs away and then we kind of like move to her and see what she's up to and she's like taking care of this woman who this old woman who can't speak and she's terrified of her and uh you know she's also uh married to the the son the son of this woman 
and they have uh, she, she has a sister-in-law and you kind of hear the history of the family it's very gothic you know what I mean who gets man who gets monies and all these kind of things and the brother starts to come around as well and you know every the brother is sticking up because he's married to of course this woman and he starts sticking up for her and everything like that. Um, it's not very hard to tell what's going on here, but it's clever in a lot of ways how they do it. And it did take me a couple minutes to register what was happening, remember what was happening. Um, the acting is really good in here. The plot twists are really fun. They even go down to the point where they even do the same ending with Psycho, what Simon Oakland kind of explains everything. They do exactly that. Um, there's a couple solid death scenes here. There's a fright pause, which is absolutely ridiculous, but William Castle had to have his gimmicks. There is a rolling head which I think is effective this one is solid this is a good film there's a bit of police investigation which um, is alright uh, so Homicidal is a, a really fun kind of B-movie Hitchcock style thing by William Castle I mean it's pretty much exactly what you'd expect alright let's get in these questions comments concerns all that jazz D Gulags three seven three three. I can't believe that I missed two episodes in a row for the first time in about nine ish years. I swear I'll never let this happen again. All praise, Mr. Parker. I'm just joking. That's pretty good. No, no, no worries, man. Thanks for watching, Nick Mua. The Boogeyman sure is a weird one. I prefer Mr. Lamell's The Tenderness of Wolves myself, but the Cat Ellinger commentary could just be worth the upgrade. Don't antique mirrors, just give you the willies. Um, he says, also showgirls on 4K. What the fuck? Crazy, right? I love Eli uh, Uli Lamell's Tenderness of the Wolves. I like his De Devonsville Tear. I think the Boogeyman's just really wacky and not in a great way. Um, one, do you have any of the Powerhouse, a.k.a. Indicator Hammer box sets? If so, how do you like them? I do not. I do have a couple of their single releases, like These Are the Damned, which I love that movie. I haven't got a chance to pop in the Indicators yet. Uh, two, why do you think Paul Verhoeven was so successful in the U.S. while many foreign directors aren't? I think that if satire is obvious enough and smart enough to catch the audience, and it's very funny, and also he gives you the sugar with the salt, with the, with the medicine, right? Robocop is vastly entertaining. Total Recall is vastly entertaining. Um, all his Starship Troopers, his movies are just really entertaining. So on top of having this satire or this message in it and being funny about it or witty, he also is adding a tremendous, tremendous amounts of nudity or violence or just entertainment value. So that's Paul. Paul Verhoeven's also just good. You know, that's a big chunk of it, too, and he's approachable. Um, I agree that the longer cuts aren't necessarily better. Have you ever seen the longer cut of Caligula featuring Helen Mirren and Malcolm McDowell? Those poor monkeys. Um, I have. It's been years. Um, but some of that stuff, I'm sure, is <laughs> is better than that. Hope you're having a better uh, weather over there. Keep it easy. Great episodes, always. Thank you. Mad Science Films. I knew Gary Graham on Robot Jocks uh, best as the James Conn cop character in the TV adaptation of Alien Nation. Absolutely loved Arena and Robot Jocks as a kid. And I haven't seen that Alienation show since I was a kid. Uh, Trev Girl. Oh, Fighting Back. Lesser known 80s vigilante flick. I think a stage vet Patty Lapone played the wife. Indeed she did. Do you remember the Young Warriors, Defiance, Enemy Territory, and Six Shores Sudden Death? Um, I haven't seen all those. I know what they are. Enemy Territory I've watched and covered on here. That's good stuff. Milk Vomit 88. I can't believe it was only just a couple years ago when I realized that the Big Bopper was in Dolls. Hmm. Uh, Tipsy Bones, thanks for another good video. Thank you. Collectus, I like showgirls. It's pretty fun. Very cool to know. Way Up Dude, 1382. Face blue, smiling face, blue, smiling face. Back at you. Um, Travis Linscombe, 620. I really liked Witch's Mountain. But yeah, it's a slow building and atmosphere and a well-done uh, folk horror from Spain, but nothing crazy. Indeed. Ken Coakley 3959. I watched Fighting Back a few days ago for the first time since 1982. It still stands the test of time. It reminded me of the vigil of Vigilante in terms of atmosphere, for sure. 
I was furious over the dog's death because I'm a dog lover. I did like the opening scene. I was born in 1966, but my mother told me that when JFK was assassinated, the world had lost its innocence. Another great man, Martin Luther King, was assassinated five years later, as was RFK. Yeah, of course, you know, that's a big history. Plays right into, like, the, the film history, too, as well, with the tone of films changing. The cast was really good as well. Tom Skerritt did a good job at doing the rough stuff, as he was almost 50 years old at the time. Patty Lapone is a celebrated stage actress who was in Witness and Driving Miss Daisy. I was surprised by Yalfat Coda's appearance because I didn't see the opening credits. Michael Sirizen, uh, uh, who played Vince the Cop, was my was one of my favorite actors. He starred in the reincarnation of Peter Proud, Frankenstein the True Story, Eye of the Cat, among others. Speaking of favorite actors, I want to mention the passing of another favorite, Treat Williams, star of Dead Heat. He was killed in a motorcycle accident last week. He first came to my attention in 1979 when my sister, my sister took me to see Hair. He looked like my brother-in-law with the long hair. When he did I Got Life, I turned to my sister and whispered, I want to do this when I get older. So Treat Williams and Tony Burton from the Rocky films were my main influences when I decided to be an actor. But his sheltering uh, mother put a stop to that. But I want to thank Treat Williams, Tony Burton, and Michael Sarazen. Uh, Zarazin, sorry, I know his name, but I'm really tired right now, for the great movie memories. See, now, I should have said R.I.P. on my page about Treat Williams because Treat Williams was an actor that I had a huge fondness of growing up because, um, now, he's done a lot of good movies. He's great in hair, Deep Rising, whatever, you know. But um, a movie that was near and dear to my heart was Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. And when you watch a movie like that, you kind of point out whoever all the characters are as your friends when you're young. And... My friend Joe was like, I swear you're just like Critical Bill, who plays Treat Williams. He is so funny. I was a lot like him, I guess, um, as a kid, you know, just hyper, crazy, nuts. And he's so good in that movie. I am Godzilla. You are Japan. Treat Williams, R.I.P. Excellent in things to do with everyone. You're dead. By far the best character. Just absolute wild man. Uh, he don't mind much. He don't mind much. He's just, he's really good stuff. Um, that's a very underrated movie. It kind of came out after like the big Tarantino kind of stuff when all those like kind of crime films were coming out. But just a great film. Uh, R.I.P. Trey Williams. Thanks for the movies. Thanks for the memories. Agreed. Um, yeah. So we're going to hop into that update. All right. First up, we got some from the Target sale. Buy two, get one. Bubba Hotep on 4K. I love this movie. Don Coscarelli, great film. Uh, Bruce Campbell's never been better. Ozzie Davis is great in it. Daniel Roebuck's in here. Reggie Bannister. Just a really fun movie. You know what? I really like this one. And when it came out, you know, my dad's not, he wasn't the biggest horror fan. He he liked a couple. He's more of a Western kind of guy. But I remember him watching this. I don't know where he saw it, but he caught it on TV and he watched it a couple times. He really got a kick out of uh, Bruce Campbell's performance. He liked that. He's quoting it a little bit. And then we have uh, another 4K upgrade here uh, by Wes Craven, People Under the Stairs. This was a favorite of mine growing up. Um, it, it's not held up as well, uh, to be honest. I still like the movie a lot. It's just not as good as I, I, I thought as a kid, you know what I mean? But it's still cool and fun. I love Wes Craven. I love this movie. I definitely will be watching that 4K um, down the line. And we have, of course... For a few dollars more, Clint Eastwood, uh, the second in the uh, Man With No Name trilogy by Sergio Leone. Uh, this is a great film. Lee Van Cleef, of course. And we got uh, Gian Maria Vellante, who is an excellent actor, underrated actor. Um, he's great in A Citizen Above Suspicion. But anyways, this is this one might be my favorite of the trilogy. This is the, the great one at the end with Luigi Pastilli, and they're counting the, the, the bodies, and he's coming around the corner, and they have him on the wagon. That's a great movie, man. Love that one. Classic. 
and your Morricone score, of course. And then we have, how can you have one without the other? I already have good and bad ugly, but now we got uh, Fistful of Dollars on 4K. Another freaking classic here. You know, the story's been done a few times. Uh, the Last Man Standing, Yojimbo, is based off a book, Red Sun, which I'd like to read. So, yeah, and it also has Volante in here, as well as Clint Eastwood, the two families, what is it, the Rojo family, and the other ones, he pits them against each other, and they kill each other, yada, 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 and he comes in and takes everything. Classic Spaghetti Western, great stuff. Then we have another one, 4K here, Upgrade, Trust to Kill, uh, Brian De Palma, 1980, classic film, Michael Caine, Angie Dickinson, top-notch performance in here, Who Can't Love Nancy Ann? Allen, Dennis Franz, uh, Keith Gordon. This is a great movie. Uh, one of the best deaths in 1980. One of the best cinematography uses in the elevator. Just great stuff. Score by Pino Donaggio, I'm pretty sure. Great stuff. Look forward to watching it at 4K. Then we have a bootleg here. And it's I couldn't help but pick this up. This is Lost Souls from 1980. Now I have the DVD. And I know that there is a, a Blu-ray you can pick up. But it's not English friendly. This incorporates the English language and the English dub. And the... Uh, and the, and the subtitles if you want to watch it in, in uh, Cantonese. But this is Lost Souls. This is a super brutal Shaw Brothers movie. Excellent movie. Quite recommend it um, if nobody's ever seen The Lost Souls. But yeah, it's good. Um, anyways, that is the update. Back to the video. Alright guys, thank you very much for watching. And as always, have a good one. Bye.